Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 769. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing review from the weekend. Before we get stuck into it, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. And you can also watch this via YouTube. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for on there. So if you prefer to watch your stuff rather than listen to it, we're on there and we're trying to grow the community. So please subscribe to the show uh, and you'll never miss out on any of our content that is coming your way. Um, we build it as the greatest week of combat sports of the year so far. We weren't far wrong because if you're a, if you're a fight sports fan across boxing and MMA, you didn't know where to look at certain times throughout the course of the night. If you had the UFC on and you had the boxing on, you were kind of getting a little bit nervous about ring walk times and all that. And you're thinking, ah, don't clash. I need to give mm-hmm. my full attention to everything at the same time. But obviously, Terence Crawford's a fight disciple and he's got the lads back, hasn't he? He went, lads, don't worry about it, mate. I'm going to play right up until Justin Gaethje makes the walk. And when Justin Gaethje makes the walk, I'll finish it for you so you can I'll take him out. Over. <laughs> <laughs> all right, don't you worry about it. Because I want to watch it too. Because I have a BMF. Um, we'll talk all MMA stuff on the MMA show, of course. I don't want to cross-pollinate everything. Uh, but if you are one of those that were across everything at the weekend, it, it, you know, it got a bit squeaky bum at one particular point. But then Terence Crawford did what Terence Crawford does. And do you, know, do, you know, do you know when you get something right, especially of a fight this magnitude, and you've been doing it for five, six, seven, eight years, yeah. and, and social media is one of those horrific, vile places where there's bots that just follow a particular promoter. And there's, listen, there's loads that do it for Matchroom. There's loads that do it for Fury. There's shit loads that do it for PBC. Like shit, like tons. It's ridiculous. Obviously, mainly American-based. So whenever you put anything up that is negative in any way, shape, or form towards PBC, they're on you straight away. They're giving you shit. And for years, I've told you that the holdup for Spence Crawford was PBC. Told you for mm-hmm. years. And everybody comes at this, hey, you're talking absolute shit, Crawford, don't want it, Crawford. Well, now you know, kids. Now you know why it was halted for such a long period of time. They knew what you now know. Terence Crawford's the truth, isn't it? Yep. Terence Crawford, ladies and gentlemen. He's the truth. What a performance, mate. It was uh, it was spectacular, you know. We we kind of like everybody. I think we got sucked into the vacuum that 
you know, this was this was how boxing should look. This was two pound for pound rated guys where you had Spence in your pound for pound list is down for you. But I think most people had him in their top 10. And why wouldn't they? He was 28 and 0 with 23 knockouts. He was the unified, not undisputed, but unified welterweight champion. He had the best resume in the welterweight division. So why wouldn't you? But when the fight started, like we, we both fancy Crawford and, and we're not being Johnny come lately. We both said that and we've said that from when the Always, fight was yeah. first matched up and that was part of the reason. But, you know, I was also sucked into that. Yeah, but Spencer's so tough. Spencer's got so many strengths. He's got this, he's got that. And you build yourself up to, oh, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is a stay up all nighter. This is a stay up till four in the morning, half past four when the ring walks where and get fucking start bouncing around your living room when Eminem appears and starts dropping bars. Well, he didn't actually Whoa. sing, did he? He, just, he didn't he just drop any bars, mate. I know, yeah. He just announced it. He just said, didn't he? He just announced them. But uh, walking alongside him, mate, I was like, this is it. This is it. This is one of those moments where I'll be able to say in years to come, yeah, man, of course I stayed up till five in the morning to watch Earl Spence versus Terence Crawford. I was never missing a fight of that magnitude. But honestly, by the end of round number one, and round number one was probably the only round that Spence won. Certainly on my card anyway. But by the end of round number one, I was like, he's, he's fucking got him. This is Crawford all over. You could just tell. The body language out of both of them was just screaming through the TV. Errol Spence was like a cat on a hot tin roof. And Terrence Crawford was just in pure fucking Jurassic Park T-Rex hunt mode. Was it well? Let's let's talk about the actual fight before we talk about the magnitude and where you rank it in terms of performances by yeah. an individual in a yeah. big fight, all that kind of stuff. The fight itself, because I've seen some weird scorecards out there. There's some very pro PBC. You know, oh, the mate. fight was level when the stoppage came. Shite, Shut up. mate. Shut there's up. shite out there, mate. I've seen it. I've nah. seen it. I've read it. There's nah. a couple of boxing writers out there were like, yeah, well, Spence won. Obviously, the knockdown in two, but then he won three, won five. And I'm like, hey, what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, I could argue Crawford won one. I could I could make a real argument. I could sit and watch three minutes and go, he caught that, he caught that, he slips that. It's only volume. That's because only because Crawford doesn't really throw much back, Mate. except the occasional jab, which he never missed with all night, by the way. That's the only reason I give it to Spence. Pure volume. There was no damage 100%. whatsoever. But you can see 100%. at the end of the first round, Crawford's not even in first gear. He's cruising down the hill. He's took the handbrake off and just started rolling down the path before he puts the car in gear. And in round one, Errol Spencer's already in third. By the Mate. time he gets to round two and gets knocked down, he's in four, he's in five, he's in fifth gear. And Crawford's still in fucking second. Battering him. Go on, sorry. No, the, the first... Listen, it's that age-old saying that we say on this show. He's downloading data. That's all he's doing. He's gone. In, he's gone into that first three minutes. Terence Crawford. First and foremost, we talk about how good he is as a switch hitter, right? He is stronger off his right side. That's yeah. fact. He's yeah, he, listen. He's good off his left side. He's good off it, but he's at his strongest when he's in an orthodox stance. He's a very good southpaw, but he's an excellent uh, orthodox fighter. He fights the whole fight southpaw in his in his weakest stance. Yeah. The whole fight. So he comes out southpaw, and I'm thinking, 
Okay, that's an, that's interesting. No switch in first three minutes. He just stands there, and like you've just said, he downloads data. I think he throws he throws less than twenty shots in three minutes. Does Terence? And they're all pawing jabs, nothing big, just pawing, catch, catch. Okay, double the amount of shots are coming back his way yeah. from Errol Spence. And in that first three minutes, he's going, I can see everything. Yeah, I can absolutely see 100%. everything that this dude's doing. Right, okay. So I'll, I'll just chuck him a fence, see what he does. All oh, right, he goes that way, does he? I'll chuck him. All oh, right, okay, he goes that way. Right, sound okay. And after three minutes, you're right. Purely based on volume, Errol Spence probably takes it. Listen, if you're a ten ten type of person, I've no yeah. problem with it. But it's Agreed. not for me. It's not for me. I've gone. I've gone for Errol Spence. Right. So Errol Spence takes your first round. But I'm yeah. watching it going. He's been a wild little cat. Here is uh, is Terence. Second round kicks in, and Terence goes, "Fuck this!" Because at the end of the day. There is the anomaly of, of not really knowing. Can Spence, if Spence catches me, I don't want to be in that situation. If Spence catches me, I don't want to be in that situation. So I'm going to take control of it now. This is what we're going to do. I've had a look. He's had a chat with Bormack. Bormack's gone, what do you reckon? He's slow as fuck, mate. Yeah. Right, go on then, crack on. And he just cracks on. And Jab comes out and it's, it's not, mate, we talk about rangefinders, don't we? This dude ain't sending a rangefinder out there. He's sending a fucking Exocet missile out. Bang, there you go, have some of that. What do you reckon? If if you look at the if you look at the put down in this round, it's really a, a, just a stiff as fuck jab followed by that big backhand, isn't it? And it's like whoa. The second round, he just steadily just sticks it into the next gear, yeah. and you can see off the knockdown. Look at Spence's face. Yeah, he's like, listen, these are one and two. There's no doubt about that in this division. These are one and two. But even at one and two, there's levels. Of course, there's. and. But I'm talking from a crowd point of view, the, the shock of the level, because it was just like, are you going to keep up with him or what? And he yeah. just could not keep up with him because Terence Crawford was just fighting on a different planet, mate. And like you've just said, Spence from the point of, you could probably give him one, and I did. He did not win another round. You've got 10 eights in there. You've got 10 sevens in there. Um, and I'll, I'll be dead honest. During the 10-7, I'm shouting, throwing the towel. Yeah. Fucking, and I never expected to say that in this fight. I'm watching this fight, and I thought it would be super competitive for six with Terence Crawford doing Terence Crawford things and accelerating down the back end. And I predicted a 10-11-12 finish for Terence Crawford. So I'm fuming that he did it in nine, but 10-11-12. But I anticipated six rounds of nip and tuck, KGKG, Spence being in it, Crawford being in it. Spence was not in it at all. All zero. He was nowhere to be found. And like I said, during that 10-7 round, I'm like going, chuck it in, man. Your kid's getting beat the fuck up. Fair play to the referee the round after for, for stopping it, because I don't think the corner were going to do any of that. No, too brave. But, but yeah, it, listen, they were too brave. You've got to take your hat off to Spence because the dude just kept getting up. And Crawford, I don't even think he was in fifth gear, mate. No. I don't even think he went to fifth gear once in the no. fight. I don't think he did because he wasn't asked those kind of questions. He didn't need to go into fifth gear. It was cruise control from the second, as I say, first round, you give it away. Second round, bum, bum, can you, okay, I can, I can see what you're doing. Can you see what I'm doing? Can you, can you move out the way of this? Bang, bang. No, you're on the deck. Right. This is going to be a fucking easy night's work for me. This, what alarmed me from, from Spencer's perspective. And there'll be a lot of people now talking about, well, you know, he's not the same fighter because of the crash, because of this. Nah, man, don't start playing that flute. He is what he is. 
Spence is the fight of the years. He was still undefeated. He was still the unified champion coming into this fight. He talked the talk. Correct. He just could not walk the walk. You can't cast shade on Terence Crawford's performance by saying, yeah, but, you know, he was tight at the weight, Errol Spence. Nah, man, nah. I ain't having none of that shit. I ain't having none of that. We are just talking about a pound-for-pound pound generational talent in Terence Crawford going in there with an excellent world champion for proving that he is levels above excellent world champion status. Errol yeah. Spence gets in there. He's got that left hand nice and low. Usually, you know, the, sorry, the right hand nice and low. He's usually so fast. He's usually counting people. He catches stuff. He makes people pay. But that right hand being so low just made his face a complete target for someone like Terence Crawford that set traps, detonated, landed heavy shots, his jab was faster than Earl Spence was supposed to. Well, Earl's got the better jab, but Terence does this. No, Terence Crawford's got a better jab. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, I'll tell you what. When they get on the inside, that's where Earl will do his work because he's so big, he's so strong. He's a bit tidy on the inside. What happened when it went on the inside? Terence Crawford was better than him on the inside as well. We knew he was better than him at range. We knew his footwork was better. We knew he set audible traps. I'll be totally honest. We're talking about Errol Spence. One of the best world champions in the sport was outclassed in every single department of boxing. It was like he was playing a video game and he's been at the top of the leaderboard for forever and a day. He goes to the arcade every day, he's top of the leaderboard. And someone comes in with a cheat code. Someone comes in that does things that he's never seen before, never had to handle before, never had, never knew this the game could get to that level. And, you know, we're obviously going to make comparisons with a new A in Fulton, which happened on Tuesday, because that's yeah. the big debate now. And I don't want to take anything away from a new A. And I bet you, well, you can have the same conversation with Stephen Fulton. On that long flight home from Japan, there was a moment when Stephen Fulton picked up his fucking brandy, turned to his coach and went, I've never seen anything like that before in all of boxing. He's so yeah. fast. He's so quick. His footwork, his IQ. I couldn't get out the way. I couldn't get me shots off. I couldn't implement our game plan. Because he was doing things I've never seen before. And Errol Spence will have had the exact same conversation with his coach. Because we're yeah. talking about two guys who are touched by greatness. Touched by greatness. That's where the two of them are. Crawford was everything he said he was. Everything we expected him to be. And in the biggest fight of his career, he produced the performance of his career. That's greatness. Mate, two-time undisputed in the four-belt era. Absolutely outright outrageous. And in the biggest fight of his career, as you just said, this out a one-sided beatdown. He's literally watched the new way on Tuesday, Annie, and he's gone. Have you seen all these motherfuckers saying this is the band fan of what just hold my beer, man? I'll be back yeah, in yeah. a bit, yeah? And then he's fucked off. The best thing about this, right? I said the best thing. The best thing's the performance, there's no doubt about that. Eminem walks out, crowd's going wild. Wow. Because there were a bit of buzz on social media, weren't there, where Eminem says he's my favorite fighter. Crawford responds to him. Come on, then. Come and get involved. Literally happened fight week, yeah. Yeah. So, Eminem rocks up, introduces him, doesn't sing a bar, right? So, I'm like going, ah, come on. Fucking get on the mic and start spitting some. <laughs> but the best thing about that ring walk, the dude walks out with a fisherman's net. So, mm -hmm. Errol Spence refers to himself as the big shark. Crawford walks to the ring with a net over him, going, I'm going to go and catch myself a shark. <laughs> Dude's cold, man. Look at him. Just doesn't even acknowledge the net. The net's just draped over him. Doesn't even acknowledge it. Just walking down. Eminem's walking him into the ring. Doesn't tap anybody's hands. Doesn't give a fuck. He's got the net on. And I'm like, 
if this goes wrong, you're going to look a prat. But yeah. that is just ultimate confidence, assurity. He knew. Yeah. He knew. He always knew. That's Correct. why he left top rank. Because Correct. the holdup of the top rank PBC relationship, PBC saying he's on the other side of the street. Fuck off, man. He's always been the best. You just didn't want to do it. You wanted to keep those belts in-house. That's why Spence had this round-robin tournament with everybody else that you knew he could beat. This guy came along. He put it on you by leaving his promoter, by becoming a free agent, by making it impossible not to make. And you've got to take your hat off to Spence because even when his team were still trying to put those roadblocks into making this fight, Spence went, nah, man, give the dude what he wants. He's proven his worth. We've had a chat on the phone. He's proven what he is. Come on make the fight. So hats off to Spence. He didn't have to do it. There's plenty of other big money fights out there for him to go and tick over with, but he well, made that happen. I don't know. No, he did. I, I, listen, but he, but he did. listen, mate, they could have, na- you know what boxing's like. They could have navigated this a different way and they could have iced, I, they could have put uh, Crawford on the ice out here. Spence made that happen. So I've got a lot of respect for him, especially the way that he fought as well because he kept fucking getting up, mate. Fair play to him. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And he did fight with with incredibly big balls and he did keep getting up. And I think, let's be honest, in his heart of hearts, I think his, his heart got broken in the second round when he got dropped. Correct. And I think from then on, he was basically fighting on instincts. He was fighting with his heart on his sleeve. You know, he couldn't get his shit together. He was he was all over the place and he was a, he was a sitting duck and it was it was a one-sided beatdown. And he took his beating like a man. And I, and I respect that and I appreciate that, of course. But I think there's also an element, you know, Terence Crawford in this fight spoke about why he crossed over, why he left top rank, why he went for this fight. He said, because my own son come up to me and saying, his dad just said that you're running away from Errol Spence. His dad said that you don't want to fight with Errol Spence. And if that's happening in Crawford's world, and I'm sure it was, yeah. you better believe it was happening in Errol Spence's world. So I think this fight, yeah, I, I commend both men. Obviously, Crawford made the jump to put him in a position where he couldn't say no. Spence silenced his team to make the fight happen, all commendable. But I also think there's an element of Spence kind of had no choice because Spence's day-to-day, really? he's yeah. going to Costco, old women. Why aren't you fighting Terence Crawford? <laughs> that would have been his life. Like Everyone who interacted with Errol Spence would have been like, hasn't Crawford come over to you? So, so why isn't it happening now then? So history would have looked very unkindly on Errol Spence. His entire career would have been quite, well, you, you ran away from Terence. So the fight had to happen. But unfortunately for Errol Spence, he believed the truth was that he was up there with... He looked at those pound-for-pound rankings and went, yeah, man, look, you've probably got Crawford one or two. Most people have got me around four, five, six. Yeah, man, I'm going to show it. You know, we're on a similar level and I'm going to show the world that we are on a similar level. I think he's got in there with Crawford. He got it in that second round and dropped. And from then on, his brain has told him, we ain't anywhere near this level. What do we do now? Panic stations, what do we yeah. do now? And the, and the dog in him has dragged them through eight or nine rounds. That's commendable. That is commendable. But let's let's not, you know, let's let's be brutally honest here. He is levels below Terence Crawford. By the way, so is 99.9% of world boxing. There's only one guy really alongside them, potentially Usyk, just below them. Th- these guys are greatness, modern day greats. There's no shame in losing to them. The manner of the defeat, though, like when I, when I look back, the comparisons are, you need to make because it's the same fucking week is a new A Fulton. A new yeah. A 10. Knew he was a wrecking machine. 
But in that fight, he proved that he was technically a better boxer than Stephen Fulton, and he outboxed him. And then when the, when the opportunity came, he stepped in. Fantastic. Amazing. We're creaming over him. He's the guy. The difference here is Terence Crawford was matched even tougher with a guy even further up. This was supposed to be an even closer fight. With all due respect, he fucking battered him. It wasn't like a technical boxing match. It was Terence Crawford just spearing away, hating Errol Spencer every opportunity, whenever he wanted to. And let's be totally honest here, there was a little bit of PBC-ness going on. There was a moment there, the re- at the end of round four, the referee brings the doctor in to look at Errol Spence. Why? He has to, you know, this is two rounds on from the knockdown. He hasn't got any visible eye injuries. You're bringing a doctor in to look at him. So you're basically giving Errol Spence an extra, what, minutes, 90 seconds to recover at the end of round four. Then there was another point later on. I don't know if it was like six or seven, where the doctor walk, sends Crawford to a neutral corner, walks Errol Spence up against the ropes, has a conversation with him. And like, his gum shield hasn't come out. What are you doing? You're basically yeah. giving him a break. Because he's getting a beatdown. Don't get me wrong. From a human humanity point of view, of course, I the, referee, the fucker did need a break because he was getting battered. But this is boxing. There was two moments there where the ref basically helped Daryl Spence. Come on, check it. Hey, come in here a minute, Doc. Yeah, just have a little look at him. Get his shit together. He's getting battered. They tried everything they possibly could. But Terence Crawford, when he crossed the street, when he left top rank and went to PBC, him and Bomack knew. We can't beat this kid on points. This can't be a close fight. We've got to get in there. This has got to be the best Terence Crawford. We said he's a natural predator. When he gets you hurt, he finishes you. But sometimes it takes a little bit of a prod back for Terence Crawford to go, you cheeky bastard. I'm going to get you. But in this fight was different. From the very first bell, Terence Crawford went, go on, let's have a look. Right, now I'm going to run you over. Now I'm going to smash you to bits. I'm going to harpoon this shark and destroy it to make a point. And that's exactly what he did. It was exceptional. I just get every every time you were speaking about it, I just keep having flashes of certain things he was doing in the fight, and I'm like going, "You are outrageous, outrageous." Do you know what I liked as well? Obviously, there's going to be chats about what do we do next. We'll get to that in a minute, but I love the fact that the one of the Charlo boys was uh, ringside. And, spe- and Crawford's chatting to him. He goes, it's you're seven. next. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm Charlo, I'm going... Well, the, I know that he's the got... Only dis- I know the only got disappointing the- thing is, was that yeah. Jamel has already signed. The 50- 154 champion has already signed to jump two weight divisions to Mate. fight Canelo. Because Mate. his big brother's going through whatever his... Or I don't even know whether it's his big brother. His larger, Twin. heavier yeah, brother. Yeah, his yeah. middleweight brother. Hasn't uh, fought in over two years, and God only knows what's going on with him psychologically. But w- w- that's why the opportunity is come. It's supposed to be Jamal, but Jamel is going up now to fight Canelo. I'm like, I don't need to see that fight. I don't need Jamel to go up two weight divisions to get battered by Canelo. When I want to yeah. see him stay in the weight division, he's got defend the like middle. And watch him get battered off tra- Terence Crawford and get and see him get battered by <laughs> Terence Crawford instead. Because then there's a roadmap. Then if Terence Crawford goes up to 154, and it sounds like he is, and he batters Jamel Charlo, and again, I know he's signed for Canelo, but you know, come on, let's let's make a roadmap for the best guy this generation, please. He batters Jamel. Then Jamal hopefully comes back. He bites him. Then he goes to Canelo. Then he fights Canelo at 168. That's fucking look, look at you. You just wanted to wipe out the whole of that PBC. Uh, I do. <laughs> the entire roster. 
Just the PBC killer will change his name from, from Bud to the PBC killer. Amazing. Mate, it is the right fight, though. Let's be dead honest about it. I know that, listen, Canelo's doing Canelo things. He's taking on a guy that's two weight divisions below him. I don't blame Jamel Charlo, obviously, because there's a shitload of cash in there. You're looking for that, you know, that legacy-defining moment. Jumping two weight divisions, undisputed, undisputed. Listen, I get it, I get it, I get it. And when it comes round, I'll be all in going, right, can Jamel Charlo jump two weight divisions? I don't believe he can, but can he, right? There's a lot of lovely little bit of romance that you can paint in and around that fight. Yeah. But I'm on the Terence Crawford train, man. What I saw at the weekend, I'm, I'm on that train. How far can this go? We're already at three weights. We're now undisputed in two. This dude is doing shit that nobody else is doing, which is crackers. He deserves the right and the opportunity to try and be undisputed in three. And there's, yeah. one, fight, there's one fight sat there, ready to go. Perfect. I think that that 100% with what you're alluding to is what should happen. There's nothing... There's, there's going to be people that are going to call, right, okay then... Let's get Boots in there. Let's get Virgil Ortiz. Well, Virgil Ortiz is probably not going to be a 147, is he? He's probably going to go up himself. But there's going to be other fights that people are going to navigate. No, hang on a minute. Terence Crawford's worked his tail off for years and years and years. He did it at 140 to get all these belts together and unify. Then he's done it again at 147 to get them all together and unify. Why should he give some young, I say young, he's, well, he is young, young up and coming book a one hit to quitter in it? Mm-hmm. Nah, man. I'm in the Terence Crawford business. Cool. I ain't here to pop you up. What does what does him beat? Most people right now would say he would beat Boots Eddis. Don't get me wrong. But Boots is outstanding and he will be champion at some point. But why should Terence Crawford prop that up? Terence Crawford should be in his business at 35 years of age going, right, I've done 147. Bring me the undisputed 154 champ and we'll have a go at that now. That's what he should be doing and that's what his next step should be. There's going to be chat from the Spence side going, well... 147, I've been too long at 147, so we're, I'm going to call this rematch and we're going to go and do it up at 154. Hmm. Do you know something? Because Charlo is not available, I look around 154 and I think to myself, what would make the most amount of money for Terence Crawford at 154 and where would the opportunity be? Because you could probably negotiate, because Spence and Charlo are in the same camp, they could probably have that negotiation, couldn't they? Say, as soon as you've had the Canelo fight, you're going to have to relinqu- relinquish some of these belts, of which these bent sanctioning bodies will probably go, okay, then, these two can fight for, for some of them belts, which then puts, obviously, world title for whatever it's worth. It's worth fuck all to me and you. But to them, you could then say, okay, you can have a world title fight in your rematch at 154. I would still say I know exactly what's going to happen uh, in that fight, but then it helps Crawford begin the next step of going for undisputed at 154, which I'm sure he's gonna gonna want to do. And as well as that, given what I've just been saying about Spence going out of his way to make this fight, I kind of don't begrudge him getting another few quid in his back pocket, even though, even though <laughs> I know that the rematch is bullshit. What what other option is there if Charlo is not the option? Yeah, uh, and that's the disappointing thing because you want something. Listen, he's got 30 days spent and he's already said in the aftermath, I'm absolutely, I want the rematch, of course. I want it at 154. But then Crawford came out and said, mate, it's tough for me to make 147 as well. I, I, I'm happy to go to 154. And he's, the job's done at 147 with all due yeah. respect to Boots Who cares? 
you know, will Boots pick up belts in the aftermath and have a little run? I'm sure he will. I'm sure there's been big fights out there for him. But I, for everything you've just said about Terence Crawford, Terence Crawford ain't looking that way. Terence Crawford's looking that way. How do I add to my legacy? Right now, every boxing fan in the world, unless the, you're still you're still in Japan, every boxing fan in the world probably edging towards Terence Crawford as being the pound for pound number one. And New A's right there, man, right behind him. But the Terence Crawford, yeah, yeah. Of course they are, but Terence Crawford's in sexier weight divisions. Yeah, he's bigger, he's stronger. He's you know he's 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 a Westerner, so he's obviously going to get more credence. And the manner of the performance was brutal, brutal performance that he's just put in. So it's all about Terence Crawford. What's next for him? How do we keep the fight fans engaged? It's going to be it's going to be hard selling a rematch with Errol Spence because I think you know unless you're fucking very heavily. PBC spend skewed, and there's a lot of them out there. Let me let me let's remind Crazy, you of mate. that. A lot Crazy. of those media, they'll be like, Oh, he's dead in the way. Oh, you know, his tactics were wrong. Blah, blah. Nah, man, hey, I'm telling you now, did, whether it's did you, not, did you not see the press conference? Once... Did you not see the press? Oh, yeah. I know and you were on a rant. He savaged, he savaged, he savaged the all year. the PB, he savaged them all. Crawford goes, oh, I bet you're fucking gutted, aren't you? And I'm like, Yes, keep yes. going. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, sorry it was, it was yeah. one of those guys in particular that he picked on, and I won't, I won't even give the guy's name a shout out because. He's a boxing, he's an American boxing media slash troll. That's what he is. And it was him that was like, yeah. yes, but this is the fight level at this point and all that bollocks. Bullshit. So I'm glad Crawford went for him in particular because on his social media, I went and checked. He was like, Spencer's won that round, like the sixth. He's won that round as well. I've got it level now. All that bollocks. So I'm glad that Crawford picked him out in particular for being a fucking <laughs> troll dressed up as a real journalist. But the, nobody's, can spin me or any neutral boxing fan that watched that fight to say at a different weight division there will be a different outcome. No. Because there's just the game is about levels. Doesn't matter the aftermath of the crash. Doesn't doesn't matter about the weight. Doesn't matter about the tactics. Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, there was a lot of chat before and if they fought 10 times it'd be 5-5. Five, five. You know, I did it, I did a thing on the BBC on World Service in the preview. And Lance Pugmire, American boxing journalist, was on with me. And he went, if he fought 100 times, it'd be 50-50. And at the time, I was like, yeah, maybe 55-45, Lance. But yeah, okay. And he went Spence, I went Crawford in the preview show. But I, and I'm not singling him out because no. a lot of people thought like there's that. Loads. There's but loads now, after the aftermath of watching that fight, you go, if they fought 100 times, how could Errol Spence win a fight? Like, that? that's... That's where yeah. my mind's at. It was so dominant. It was so yeah. one-sided. So PBC, as a promotional outfit, as a, have got to look at this and go, okay, how do we, or the management maybe of Terence Crawford, that probably more particular, how do we maximize the fact that everyone on the planet's going, this guy's the best guy we've seen since who? Floyd Mayweather? This is the guy, Terence Crawford. Oh, come to boxing and watch this fella. He's fucking amazing. Yeah. Then you go, we're putting him back in with the guy he's just battered. Oh, wait a minute. Mainstream audience go, what? I just said, it. come and see him because he's amazing. He's just battered him. Why am I watching him batter him again? Show me against someone else. You've got, as mad as it sounds, you have to try and bring him and Canelo together before Canelo's done because Terence Crawford is at that position now where he's top of the pound for pound tree. A lot of people, water coolers, supermarkets, not the school drop-off gates, but you know, you know what I'm saying. A lot of people in general conversation on a global scale right now are going, 
Fucking Terence Crawford at the weekend, man. He's the guy, isn't he? Yeah. Oh my god, amazing. My WhatsApp groups blew up with all the dads going, Oh my god, Nick, he's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, man. I know. When's he fighting again? Let's find out. You can't bring him backwards, make him look that way. It's gotta be moving forward for the good of Terence Crawford and for the good of boxing. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is that though, with Charlo not being available? Because again, if he goes to 154, it's, it's young books then, isn't it? It's Tim Zoos and people like that at 154. And you think, he's like, what's the point? It's not big enough. It's not no. big enough for him. It's got to no. be undisputed. It's got to be, like you've just said, that it's got to be name value. What's he, where's he, what's he doing? Where's he going to next? Because he's, he's cracked 147. There's nothing there now. Yeah. Completely. So what happens if Jamel goes up to 168, gets beat by Canelo? Will he will he retain all those world titles that he's got? Will he retain probably. the in magazine Mate. belt if he's lost probably. at a different weight division? This is daring to be great. Should he be stripped? There's a conversation there. Who knows? Who knows how these governing bodies act because it's all financially driven, like a lot like all of sports at this level, let's be yeah. honest. But right now, anyone associated with Terence Crawford shouldn't give a fuck about anything except the biggest fight possible for Terence Crawford because he's that good. He's that good. In, in terms of the performance itself, then, let me ask you this. In a fight yep. of this magnitude, in a world yep. title unification fight or you know, a fight with a lot of eyeballs, a lot of pressure, a lot of industry chats particularly about going, ooh, this is a 50-50, this is going to be special. Is it the best performance you've ever seen? The the only other time I've been proper blown away with wow was the second fight of Fury Wilder because I didn't think Fury could do that. I thought it was all shit. I thought he was going to go. I'm going to box. We, we ne we'd never seen him go forward like that and be aggressive no. and bully the bully. We'd never seen that. And obviously I was ringside, so maybe I'm slightly more biased towards it. And he went out there. And he surprised every single person on the planet. I don't care what anybody says. Bar his own team, obviously, because they knew that. Yeah, because they knew the tactics, and they batted him and stopped him, and they they put Wilder in his place for the first time in his career. The third performance, obviously, you've kind of seen it now. So it went back and forth, and it's a far better fight because Wilder's seen it now, so he's prepared for it. But yeah. the second fight, it's one of them when I went shit, the bed, and obviously you were with me that night. You 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 saw it, so you you know what it was like in that uh, arena when. He did it. And he was like, fucking hell, mate. Never saw that coming from a million miles away. But this, this feels slightly different because you knew that Wilder only had, he had to knock him out. Wilder was never going to outbox Tyson Fury, was he? And you can't, and I suppose going into that fight, you thought, well, Tyson Fury's not going to knock out 
Deontay Wilder. So suppose it, this had more facets to it. You've seen Spence finish people. You've seen Spence outbox people. You've seen Spence as a, as a more rounded fighter. He's better than Deontay Wilder, with all due respect to Deontay Wilder, as a, you know, rounded fighter. Same with Crawford. So to absolutely dominate him in every single facet of the fight, it's very difficult to argue against. Is that the best thing that I've ever seen? Listen, when Calzaghi and Lacey, what, what Calzaghi did to Lacey that night, yeah. I was like, fuck, didn't expect that because... Lacey was the Lacey guy, man. Was the and pound, he was the pound guy. Lacey was supposed to be the new guy. Yeah. The superstar from America. Yeah. And, okay, being purely biased, you could probably bring in Ricky Atten's performance against Kosuzu. But that was, listen, Ricky was brilliant, but Kosuzu had moments in that fight. Ricky was asked questions throughout the course of it. It wasn't pure dominance, was it? it there was a bit no. of this, bit of that, and then Ricky got, got, got himself going. <laughs> Whereas Kalzaki battered Lacey, so there's yeah. that one. Fury Wilder 2. And then make this from from purely what I remember sitting there and I, I was looking to be at two of those and obviously not this at the weekend but watching that on TV I was like oh, fucking hell I never saw this coming not like this yeah. anyway yeah <clears throat> obviously when you see a performance like that in a fight that you build up so much in your in your mind's eye and someone is so dominant then you've got to reflect and you've got to go, how good is this guy? What have I just seen there? Yeah. What have I just seen there by comparison to stuff I've seen in the past? And similar to you, I've got I've got Carl Zaghi Lacey right up there because I remember driving to to Manchester Arena for that show. The fight was on at like four in the morning because it was yeah. pay-per-view in America. Jeff Lacey was this absolute superstar and he was coming over here, old left hook, and he was going to sleep Joe and he was going to give him his first defeat. And none of the all the American media came over. None of them give Joe a chance. Oh, he's just a slapper. You've had them protected over here. You know we're bringing Big Jeff over, and Jeff's pound for pound, and he's gonna he's gonna smash this guy to bits. And I remember sitting there ringside at four in the morning, just watching Joe Calzaghe fucking school him, absolutely school Jeff Lacey, and then got the stoppage in the got the knockdown in the twelfth, which just completely put the cherry on top of the cake. That was right up there in terms of single performances, I think. Uh, Barrera fighting Naz for the other reason. Naz was our guy. Naz was our pound for pound. Naz was our superstar. He goes over to Vegas. I know there was a lot of shit going on in the dressing room and everything else, but regardless, Barrera put a bit of a beating on Naz that, Naz that night. That was, you know, I'd followed Barrera's career anyway with the Morales fights and everything else, and I knew he was a genuine superstar, but I didn't know he would come up and do that, you know, from the bantamweight, super bantamweight divisions and put a bit of a spanking on Naz that night. But then I also start thinking about my favourite boxer of all time and the performances that Sugar Ray Leonard produced, and more in particular, the, the performance Sugar Ray Leonard put in against Roberto Duran in the rematch after Roberto Duran beat him and became the first man to beat Sugar Ray Leonard. They yeah. rematched. No man. It was the no mass fight. Ray Leonard was fucking spectacular. That fight only went what seven, eight rounds. Yeah. And but he didn't box. He, he did, did he made something quit. Yeah, he did something completely different in that fight, didn't exactly. he? Exactly. He fucking went toe to toe. He he did he did Duran at his own game. So yeah, I I think it's honestly, I think that's the level of this fight. I, I was thinking it was gonna be like a Leonard Leonard Haynes or yeah. Like, I yeah. know Duran was a great fight. I thought it was going to be entertaining. I'm going to go back and forth. And I was, I didn't realize that Terence Crawford was able to go there so comfortably as well. It's yeah. like him and Bomac 
when they came up, looked at Errol Spence and went, he's the fucking guy, man. We we know we've got all the tools to take him apart. And they've had to chase it and chase it and chase it. And when the knife finally came, Terence Crawford did not fluff his lines. Terence Crawford went in there and proved head and shoulders that he's the best welterweight on the planet, that he's levels above a world-class fighter like Earl Spence, and he's unquestionably number one pound for pound on the planet. And, and that might be alongside his little mate at Newway. It may well be. We might be blessed. We might have two generational talents, but those two right now, Crawford especially, man, it was just a manner of the beatdown. I'm like, that was fucking extra special. An extra special performance. That's what it was. Let's hope that the powers that be, the suits that run this game, keep making these fights. Because look at the excitement factor throughout the course of the week. Look at the excitement factor post-fight. Everybody's talking about this fantastic sport. I managed, listen, we were obviously upset and gutted to not be in Las Vegas to be in and around it and witness it first time. But I've spoken to so many people, friends, colleagues that are over in the States about the fight week. And they were comparing it to, you know, when Canelo and Golovkin fought each other, they were comparing it to Mayweather and Pacquiao regarding pomp, actual pop throughout the course of the week. Major turnouts for the weigh-ins. I don't know if you saw that, but at the at T-Mobile, it was absolutely rammed, mate, for a weigh-in. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding throughout the whole course of the week. The fans showed out and they showed out because you gave them a proper fight. We're not selling them bullshit. You're selling them a proper fight. Fans know, and they will part with their hard-earned money in order to see this stuff. And I hope, I hope that the pay-per-view numbers resonate. I really do, especially in the States, because it's not flying as much as it is here in the UK. I hope it pops, and therefore these executives look at it and go, actually, if we make some proper fights, people will come out and they will watch this good stuff. So fingers crossed this is the start of... I mean, 2023 has been a good year so far. We've been getting some good stuff. I know the heavyweights have been casting this crazy shadow over the gaff, but the rest of them have really, really been stepping up. So we take our hats off to these fantastic athletes and fingers crossed uh, the people with the money keep making these uh, these great fights. What did you make uh, of the rest of the card? Obviously, we were bigging up Nanito, weren't we, throughout the course of the week that he was going to do something special and, and keep setting crazy records. Isaac Cruz was on here as well. What did you make of the rest of it? Yeah, I thought the uh, the standout performance for me was from Tellez. Tellez, a third round knockout of Garcia. That was a... A chilling knockout, man. Garcia's been dropped super heavy. Jumps back to his feet. He's chatting to the referee. I'm all right. I'm all right. And his eyes are going in every direction. He couldn't fucking stand up straight. That was a a statement from Tellez because Garcia's legit, man. Former European champion. Been around. We've seen him in tough fights. You know, he's a proper dude. Only had two previous defeats at world level. You know, putting him in there with a kid who's fucking 5-0. But that mm. Tellez has got frightening power, man. That was a statement. That was probably the performance of the undercard. I thought Santiago, just a little bit too quick for Nanito yeah. Denier. Just that little Forty bit man, too speedy it? for him. Yeah, yeah I felt for Denier because, you, you know, we've been, we've met the kid, he, the, the, kid awesome. the old man. He's awesome. He's an absolute veteran. And he's been there and done it and wore the T-shirt. And he's one of the good guys of world boxing. And you only want amazing things for him. And, you know, he didn't take a hide in here, far from it. But Santiago was just that little bit fresher, that little bit sharper, that little bit too quick for him. So I think that that would went the right way. And then Isaac Cruz versus Cabrera was an Did interesting one, man. Did he win? I don't know, man. I thought Cabrera took it. Me, to be totally yeah. honest with you, 
you know, especially when the point got taken off for their headbutt and stuff. I was like, this is Cabrera's fight, this. Yeah. Um, and I was it was tough, right? I can't, I can't fully, com- I, I can't fully commit to the scoring because obviously UFC was going on at the same time. So yeah, I had two too, screens, yeah. I had two screens yeah. going. So I was watching a bit of this and I'm watching a bit of that. But every time I was watching Cruz, I was like, Ooh, this ain't what I anticipated. I anticipated Cruz to be. This was a performance to try and get him the Javonta fight back. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. No. I thought Cabrera was unlucky, mate. He looked very limited, Cruz. He's just a, he looked like a swinger. He just looked like he was trying to take Cabrera out with one big shot. That's what he was doing, was winging up. Excuse me, Cabrera outboxed him at times. So, yeah, I, I thought Cabrera, again, uh, like you, I had two screens. I had the UFC going, I had this going. I, didn't, I haven't been back and watched it since. No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, but I thought Cabrera was hard done by, man. A really hard done by. Um, before we dip into Friday, we've got to talk Telford. Um, because again, on last week's show, as we were building up uh, the Davis Cunningham fight, mm-hmm. we thought good bit of matchmaking. Davis has looked good in his last two. Okay, previous to the last two, there's not been much there, but he's absolutely stepped up and started to impress, put in some really good performances. Obviously, Cunningham, uh, we saw him against Alani Tete. We all know what happened in that particular fight, but he's been there, done it, got the t shirt. Um, and I remember saying in the show, listen, neither of these guys pop too hard, so I'm anticipating this going long, but I'm favouring Liam Davis. Younger, fresher, on a little bit of a hot streak. Fucking hell, fire Liam Davis. I must have pissed him off. He must have, He must be a fire disciple. He must have listened to the show and he goes, ain't got any pot, I'll show you. Right, go on, ring that bell. Jesus, man, he went out there like a fucking bull in a china shop, didn't he? And the minute he stung Jason Cunningham, he jumped on him and finished him and he finished him in emphatic style. This kid's getting better and better. Yeah. Maybe I've underestimated him. Maybe I've looked at him and gone, okay, yeah, he's, he's very good. Don't get me wrong, he's very good. But is, is he going to go on to bing, 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 bing? And we've just been speaking, obviously, about his weight division where you knew it. Listen, we're not getting giddy. No. <laughs> we're, not fuck, we're not fucking talking about that yet or even ever, right? That's not what we're talking about. Letting new air fuck off for, and, and maybe something become right. a little bit vacant, right? But absolutely, the last three performances of Liam Davis, every single time I've watched him, I've gone, Okay, every single time, and more so in this one because Jason Cunningham's no mug, absolutely a good boxer, and he stung him early, jumped on him, and got him out of there, which I thought was a phenomenal statement performance. Career best performance so far for Liam Davis for me. Yeah, listen, I'll be honest, I thought Jason Cunningham, after 40, this was his 40th professional fight, I thought he'd just be a bit too long in the tooth and a bit too experienced, and he was just an old man. Liam Davis and frustrate him a little bit and silence the home crowd and all those other things. And what happened was, <clears throat> I don't want to say he got old overnight. He, you know, those 40 fights arguably caught up with him a little bit, but I don't want to take anything away from Liam Davis. I really don't because he pounced on him. Yeah. The tactics clearly were go out there and fucking pounce on him, put the pressure on him earlier. Let's see how he handles it. You know, this is his 40th professional fight. He's very experienced. He's probably thinking, I'll take this kid over the 12-round distance. He won't beat me on points like he has done his last two fights. I'm too wily for him. Just pounce on him early. Just give him a, give him a go early. Let's see how he reacts. And Jason Cunningham, you know, for all his experience, he was just like a little bit of a, a deer in the headlights. And don't get me wrong, like the crowd were popping. That Telford International yeah, Centre, we joke sometimes about, oh, what the hell, off to Telford. But I tell you what, the atmosphere in there is bouncing. The, fucking, the tunes are banging away. Everyone's up for it. So there's something happening there in Telford yeah. around Liam Davis, which is a little bit magical. 
Um, and it, and I, as it's proved that as as you say, his last two performance. Listen, he went to eleven and zero, and he didn't fight anyone. As we say, you know these hot prospect in the red corner, bin man in the blue corner, and he had eleven of them, and he went to eleven and zero. But then he put last year, he went right, okay, let's get him on TV, let's start stepping him up, and he goes in with Mark Leach, outboxes yes. Mark Leach in a fight that was underdog. Yeah, I had Mark Leach as the favorite going into that. Hey, He's been an underdog in all three of these fights. Goes in with yep. Mark Leach, outboxes him. You put him in with Baluta, who, as we know, is incredibly dangerous. Mate, he stands Baluta on his head. He looked absolutely brilliant. And then this one with Jason Cunningham, again, another big step up. And he just goes in there, lays a glove on Cunningham, sees Cunningham react like, I don't like this, and pounced on him. And yep. give the referee, Victor Lachlan, Lachlan, no option. I know Cunningham afterwards was complaining, but, mate, You've got no, no complaints done. whatsoever about that stoppage, son. You can't stand against the ropes taking shots clean on the chin and expect the referee to let it go. You've got to fight back. You're far too experienced, and you know that that was a good stoppage, and it was. It was a really good stoppage. I thought it was an outstanding performance by Liam Davis, and he's won me over now. That's it. Yeah, I'm not I'm a doubter in. no more. I won't question him no more. This kid's got talent, and every time Frank has stepped him up, he's gone, Sam, man, I'm more than ready for that. So I'm more than yeah. ready to see him go up again. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, they've got um, uh, Dennis coming soon. He's taking on uh, Ian Baluta. I know that Baluta. Dennis was in attendance at the weekend. Uh, I, listen, I'm not saying let's match these two together, uh, but what I am saying, it's going to be interesting to see the trajectory of both of these guys and how... Because, listen, if they keep going at the way they're going, they're going to meet eventually, aren't they? You'd think. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see... Um... It's, a, it's a sensational division, dude, because... You know, you've got, you've got, obviously, you've got Liam Davis, you've got Dennis McCann, you've got Bradley Strand out of Liverpool, who's an outstanding boxer. You've still got Andrew Kane. Okay, yeah. he fought the wrong tactic against Baluta, but the kid's a little banger. You know, you've got, obviously, Cunningham is probably going to have to have a long, hard look in the middle now, but you've got Shabazz Mazoud in this weight division as well. And then you've got the one who I believe is the best out of the lot, obviously, a scouser, Peter McGrail. You know, so it, it's super, okay, super yeah. bantamweight domestically is Red fucking up. outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. There's a there's a serious round robin there with half a dozen fighters to prove who's the best in Britain. Unfortunately, three of them are from the same gym, so that won't happen. But yeah, I, honestly, there's big fights out there for Liam Davis. All that needs, all that little mix-up needs is a world title belt. We need a, we need a new way to go up and give all their belts up. And we throw a world title in the mix, and I tell you what. Yeah. Could be an he will. Time at Super Listen, I know that Liam Davis was talking about Topalis. He's not going to get to Palace because he knew he was getting to Palace, even though Topalis looked like uh, he'd seen a ghost. Yeah, he looked like he'd seen a ghost when he was in the ring with you anyway. Listen, you're just going to have to go through it, son, because he knew he wants their belts. So you either give them up or you yeah. go in with him. Relinquish. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to do that. And then you would think that anyway, clear off to. Uh, to 126 and then maybe you never know maybe even 130 you don't even know what this guy's capable of do you but there's yeah. going to be opportunities over the next 12 to 18 months maybe a little bit longer uh, in this division <laughs> at the very very highest level and Liam Davis just keeps going through people like this he's going to be there or thereabouts isn't he uh, so fair play to him great performance that's all I really want to talk about from the Telford card if I'm dead honest mate there's, yeah, there's yeah. nothing really else to, uh, no, to get giddy gone. about well they give an awful lot of airtime again about Moses Atuma and it's all to reputation. Gyms are oh, people are saying this, people are saying that, and it's getting a little bit stale now. You know, I yeah. want to see him start knocking people over. Otherwise, what's the point? Anyway, that'll do. That'll yeah, do from Telford. <clears throat> uh, Friday night, uh, Estrada took on uh, Udica. 
Um, listen, a little bit of an apology to uh, Leonella Udica because in the preview show last week, I said, listen, Estrada's the business. There's no real competition. There's no real depth of talent in this division. She's going to absolutely walk through Leonella uh, Udica. Can't see a stoppage, but what I can see is 10 rounds of pure dominance. I was wrong because Udica uh, had a go. Um, listen, she got beat. I'm not saying that she, and, and it's uh, contrived in any way, shape or form. She did get beat. Um, but she, in, especially in the early stages of this uh, contest, she gave Estrada a few questions. She lost 7-3. I agree with all three scorecards. I thought I thought that that was fair enough at the Palms in Las Vegas. Uh, but she had a go. One thing that I do take away from it, as I always say, with fights like this, two-minute rounds are frustrating because just as it was getting fucking interesting at certain points, I'm like, run the fucking bell, right? <laughs> Somebody's asking Estrada a question there. I wanted to see a little bit more. Let's see what's going on. Shame. But listen, Estrada's legit, top-class champion. And yes, she was asked questions, but she answered them. And she answered them relatively comfortably uh, and came through 7-3. The, I just think that the we're, we're there now. We're, we're seeing consistently high-level boxing from the women in these unification, big world title fights. We're there now. We just need someone... Whether it's a Clarissa Shields, whether it's an Amanda Serrano, Serrano, whether it's a a, a Chantel Cameron, we need someone to go, right, three-minute rounds. I'm going to three-minute rounds now. And that's when the women's side of boxing will go to the next level again. That's when they'll be able to have conversations with their promoters and the broadcasters to go, yeah, I'll main event, but I want the same as what you pay the men because I'm going to do 36 minutes now instead instead of 20 minutes. Yeah, and that's what's going to that's what it's going to take. And will the same opportunities be there? Well, that's it. You've got fans' attention, you know, yeah. real real boxing fans now. Are like, yeah, man, female women's main events, unification fight, happy days, bring it on. And I'm surely the broadcasters are appeased by it because these are number one weight division fights that we're seeing consistently. So I just think it's going to take one. It's going to take one to go right from now on. I only fight three-minute rounds. You're right. It could be Serrano. I know she fights this weekend and it's only over twos, but someone's going to do it. Someone's going to break out of that pattern, get the women financially what they deserve, and we'll start seeing more viral moments. And the women's side of boxing will go to the absolutely go to the next level once more. Yeah. But let's oh. end by saying Terence Crawford, man. Bud. Just... I got me Terence Crawford t-shirt out for the show today. You, I, I, mate, that was mad. That was, I was thinking that you were going to do it because I have never seen this ever from him anyway. We, we've travelled all over the world. We've gone to all sorts of stuff. Don't get me wrong. He has bought Lomachenko merchandise. He's got a Lomachenko yes, t-shirt a Loma as well. T-shirt, yeah. <clears throat> right. But I have never seen him fanboy as much on... Um, we were in New York. It was for the Amir Khan fight, wasn't it? When Terence uh-huh. fought Amir Khan. And Terence's family or uh, business people, the merchandise guys, they were running a thing inside the fighter hotel. And we were working inside the fighter hotel all throughout the course of the day, doing the interviews and all that. And he fucks off for five minutes and he came back, right, with this bag of swag, (laughs) T-shirt, Orion. He took his own T-shirt off in the hotel, put the T-shirt on that he just purchased. And it was an official Terence Crawford piece of merchandise that, it, that he bought and I went what are you doing and he goes mate I can't help it I know I'm here independent working but I'm just a fucking massive fan so I've just yeah. bought a lot of gear so I, I anticipated that you would have your Terence Crawford 
uh, T-shirt onto there, mate. But I, you must have been wearing it at the weekend when the fights was on. No, I uh, I put it on this morning to wear. It's a large, and all you need to know is that I put it on, and it looked like, it looked like a fucking a, a cycling. Tattoo. Yeah, looked like you've been episode, cycling. Do you know that episode of Friends where Ross takes back his Frankie Relax T-shirt from Rachel or whatever, and it's just like stuck to his body. It's so small. That's what it was like, and I just thought, you know what? I'm just gonna look like a right knob. I should have hung it in the background, whatever. But yeah, I did dig it out this morning. Because listen, that's I, listen. I know we're I know we're professional. We're journalists, and we travel the world. We're, and we're very lucky, and we do this. We're here because but we're fundamentally fans. we're still fans. That's yeah. that was the whole point of fight disciples that we can act like just two mates in the pub, fucking getting excited about the sport that we absolutely love. And Terence Crawford at the weekend, and then Will Spence just reminded me, like I, you know, because we're used to staying up till four in the morning. I'm used to doing all nighters for big fights, but there's big fights, and then there's massive moments in the in, in legacy moments in the sport where you're not half asleep. You, you know, you're not 19 beers deep. You know, you're, you're sitting there fucking sober as a judge going, mate, I am so looking forward to this. This is what it's all about. You know, you, you follow a sport your entire life. It's like a world, for, for a boxing fan, it's kind of like a World Cup final. These don't come around often, kids. I am not missing this. This is the moment. And for... For the fight to play out with the performance that Terence Crawford produced under all that pressure, under all that spotlight, under all that media noise, for him to get in there with the toughest, supposedly toughest fight of his life and produce a performance like that, fuck me. That, that's like <sighs> fanboy overload. That's when you know, wow, th this guy's one of the greats, one of the all-time greats. I know that's a big statement, but Terence Crawford yeah. will go down as one of boxing's all time greats and we're living through it enjoy it and fingers crossed it's not too long before we get to see him again because that was special uh thank you very much for tuning in to our show if you liked it and you're not a subscriber come on man we do this every single week you can do it via fight disciples fightdisciples.com is our website that's where you get all the audio feeds and you can also get us on youtube it's going to look and sound a little bit different over the next few weeks because as you know I like to clear off for a bit. Holiday time, innit? Uh, so I'm taking a little bit of time off. This is my last one for a short period of time. He's going to be talking to all his celebrity mates, no doubt, over the next couple of weeks, doing uh, various shows, previewing, reviewing uh, stuff. And then he goes on his holidays, and then I'll be back and doing the exact same thing. So August is going to look a little bit different. I know we've got a big fight in the middle in the heavyweight division between Anthony Joshua uh, and Dillian White. And obviously, at the end of the month, it's Usyk Dubois. Don't worry. We'll be across it. We'll bring you some stuff. It'll just be a little bit different. Uh, the dynamic duo will be back in full force uh, at the start of September. All right. So thank you very much for your patience on that. If you're going away on your summer holidays, enjoy it. Uh, and we will be back very, very soon, ready to rock and roll for the back end of the year. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.